Sports Show presents House of Rugby. Hello and you're all very welcome to House of Rugby. My name is Maureen Strassen-Yrul and I'm delighted to be joined as always by Lindsay Pete and Joe's Pat McCarry to look back on round two of the Champions Cup this weekend. It was a good weekend for Leinster and Ulster but frustration and disappointment for Munster and Connacht. And as you can see, we're feeling very festive today. <laughs> Love the jumpers, guys. <laughs> Lindsay, I think, is winning. Lindsay wins, yeah. <laughs> well, if anyone can see, it's my Grinch one. So some, yeah, provinces will be kind of naughty. Some were nice. So we'll see what feedback they get now. Lindsay's feeling like the Grinch today, are yeah, you? Yeah, I look like the Grinch as well. So <laughs> let's not sugarcoat this. We'll start off by a bit of rugby news first. Great news during the week, Pat, mm. that Andy Farrell has put pen to paper and he'll be at the helm with Ireland until 2027. Mm. Um, it was a no-brainer, really, that the RFU would do everything in their power to keep him. Yeah, yeah. The only kind of thing that, you know, it throws off a little bit is is Raj and this eventual, you, th- you might think, return to, to Ireland. Like, And that's the only thing that we almost have too many options in a way, because Leo Cullen, you know, again, will always be an option as well, too. But, uh, no, but like, yeah, it made so much sense, didn't it? And um, like I was kind of like he's it's going to happen that it's going to he's going to get announced as the Lions head coach, like within the, the next month anyway. So I thought they might come close together, like, but they're maybe letting the Irish fans kind of bask in this kind of announcement for a while. And then the Lions stuff will probably come in January ahead of the Six Nations. But uh, but like he's got a good team set up behind them already. So uh, like maybe Easterby might take over. But then you have Paul O'Connell, who's kind of there, mm-hmm. maybe going to take on a bit more responsibility as well. But yeah, it just like it's he's done so well. He's spoken of so well. Um you know, just winning the, you know, the shame, of course, the the World Cup, but like winning the Grand Slam so well and going on that, like I think it was a 17 game winning streak um, too. Like, so, yeah, everything is kind of, the, the foundations are in place. There's going to be new players coming in as well over the next year or two as well. So it just made sense to kind of keep them on. And yeah, like, I, I don't think, like, was there anybody raising an issue with it? Like, you know, sometimes those things are controversial or again, like imagine someone like Rogers in the background who's won two European Cups in a row, mm-hmm. but everybody was just like, yeah great decision great to see it would probably be more controversial if he wasn't to stay on Lindsay because it's Mm. great that he has this group now I know there are a lot of players that have left and there will be more players that he won't have available to him come the next World Cup but that he has the continuity with this group and that he'll be able to we hope right the wrongs of the World Cup because they were so close they were so close and um, I was chatting over the weekend about this just even that kind of you know, the the mall try that we didn't, you know, Jordy Byron mm. held us up and there was kind of moments where we, we just were used to in the first couple of rounds and in the build up to that World Cup, just things going really right for us. So I think that the consistency is key for me anyway with them because we have a young group of players who were at their first World Cup. If we can keep them for the next cycle, then mm-hmm. that will stand to them like second to none. The probably experienced players were there were probably carrying maybe those, you know, scars from previous World Cups. So obviously they didn't get to avenge that. Mm. But these new players will 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 bear that, you know, beacon of hope, you know, without being dramatic. So um, I think it's key. But when Pat was chatting there about, you know, oh, Raj and everything like that, my cat's, you know, going in two years. Could Raj come in as attack coach? Probably not as ideal. But the fact that Andy Farrell was previously there as defence coach, he's worked with the Lions. I think it's just building your repertoire and getting your foot back in. I don't think Raj would like that kind of second hand, but might be the way to get in to Ireland and back before. Yeah, so. who is front runner to step into my cat's role? Yeah, I've seen this. Um, I heard even like Noel McNamara's name was mentioned. He's over Bordeaux, I think. He's uh, doing fantastic, obviously. Yeah. Uh, Richie Murphy's doing with the in between the twenties that he could step up then, and it's all the kind of internal ladder that you're going through. Uh, Jared Payne is another kind of option because he's over. He was, I think, he was with Claremont for a bit, and now he's with Scarlets as well. 
and then even Sexton's name got mentioned as well. Like, and and that will it make like not it makes sense, but if it was to happen immediately, you might not think it's going to happen. But the fact that my cat's staying on for another season, maybe Sexton's going to just do the year. I don't know. It it just leaves it open for Sexton. Mm-hmm. I think David Newsfor was asked about it at his press briefing, and no, he didn't give any. He was very like non-committal on it, but he was saying he thinks Sexton would make a wonderful coach, but. You know, from what you heard about what was going on in the camp, he's pretty much was a de facto coach anyway. And so could he just step in uh, and do it? Like, uh, But yeah, what Lindsay says is very interesting there. Like, it's like dangling an attack coach job to Raj, but also saying, but you're actually head coach for a year. Like, it'd be very interesting kind of, mm-hmm. you know, uh, commitment that he's made to over in La Rochelle. And he's got a great life over there. And uh, when he's not winding up kind of uh, every <laughs> every French official over there and getting called in front of boards. I don't know how he's feeling this morning after the mm, weekend. Yeah, the Stormers <laughs> game, yeah. like, But um, yeah, it would be like, imagine like, I don't know what he'd take it, but he, what a character to kind of say to someone like, you can come in and, and run the show for, for a year. I don't know mm. whether, you know, you'd have to break that news to all the other coaches. But yeah, I have a kind of Sexton, Payne, McNamara, Richie Murphy, and then there might be somebody else that we kind of... What we about with Leinster? You're looking at Andrew Goodman or mm. Munster. Um, See, you're looking at Mike Prendergast. Or Prendergast, sorry, would they keep him, them yeah. where they are? I suppose there's kind of a, a couple of angles you kind of take from this. I do, definitely do like the mention of Noel McNamara and Richie Murphy, who have, because of that continuity, which are under 20s and what, what I suppose, they, what heights they've reached mm. with that underage structure. So the continuity and a familiar face and someone they've grown up with. And we've, we've kind of seen that over the years with the South Africans. Do you know, we, we've spoken a lot about Nina Ware, but, you know, he would have had those stars from 17 and up and now they're winning World Cup. So I think to bring young young athletes on and I suppose we can see the different layers of experience even now with a really talented Munster team the last two weeks have come into question about their experience in game management so I think they kind of sit well with me Johnny Sexton I have no doubt about his coaching experience but would do you want to start from the top do you know what I mean or would you want to get back in with Leinster maybe mm. uh, get into that coaching groove really dip your toe but like I can't speak for him he's definitely a different man to me I'd probably want to start and go back to a familiar setup, start there and work my way up I, I don't think I could take because the Ireland job would mean so much to me so um, the other are, are you throwing your name in the hat now? I Lindsay? wish I was. No, I'm just going to stick to being the Grinch. Actually, <laughs> I'm good at that one. But yeah, I think continuity for the underage setup with with that inexperienced players and Noel McNamara, some of the attacking rugby in Bordeaux. Um, mm. You know, he's really actually excelled since coming out of that program. Um, and then Richie Murphy has continued to to kind of yeah reap the rewards and bring the success back. So yeah, I'm not sure about the rest, but they're definitely the three for me. And Mike Prendergast can cannot be uh, look like not be considered mm. but I think he's not finished with his time on Munster I think he's already started his journey there in that coaching setup. and I think there's good great days to come there and I think when he's ready he's definitely a name that can go into that I was thinking what the only one then as we were talking was like Felix Jones but he's just taken a new job now as well like so you know could you stick around for a year and then come over like but the RFU might not be too happy with that but he's the only other name that you kind of just yes, jump to mind that he's got that experience mm. as well but uh, it sounds like there are like they're already kind of know what's going on like it's not going to be revealed for another while like but they could have a plan in place already and we'll mm. just hear about it maybe in the middle or at the end of the next six nations or something yeah but a few decent names there like yeah that was the biggest news of the week until the story <laughs> broke that another world cup winner could be entering leo collins setup um what do you make of the news that orgy snyman could be moving east look at the smile on this one's face <laughs> i can't tell you why because when that news broke i was like i would have loved to be a fly in the wall with all the ex-monster people going what the? well current <laughs> and ex going 
are you joking me? Because there's obviously that unwritten, well, that really well-known rivalry um, between Leinster and Munster. And I suppose when Joey went from Leinster to Munster, we were heartbroken and now it's kind of reversed. But it was left field for me now, to be honest. But what a sign. And if Leinster do get it over the line and obviously Leo Cullen didn't deny it in his... Um, in his pre-match against Sale mm-hmm. so he was kind of just saying yeah listen let's park that lads and we'll talk about it after so it seems a done deal but personally I'd be having a clause now in his contract to say you must be playing this amount of mm. games um, obviously they're going to manage him hopefully a lot better he probably won't miss a game now considering he's had 10 appearances in 4 years for Munster I would be definitely not bitter because I think he's really added you know when he's been there he's really really committed to the Munster jersey but they we just didn't see the best of him consistently yeah. in, in a Munster jersey and there was so much hope and um, yeah, it just didn't kind of. I wonder how much did Jack Nienabar have a role to play mm. in this decision? Yeah, I'd say oh, I'd say so. All right, yeah, I'd say there was a conversation. What a way to come in! Yeah, and just kind of <laughs> just pick up the phone, so, lads. I know a lad that <laughs> could do yeah. a really good job. Yes, yeah, so and I know a fellow who knows a fellow. Yeah, that's a lad, right? <laughs> um, yeah, I'd say it definitely kind of played a part then as well. And then, um, yeah, because was talk that. Like or or Jay and and his his uh, his partner kind of enjoying Ireland so much and like he ha- I think he had chances to go or other offers to go as well but maybe this makes the most sense to them like you know do you, you could just up sticks and head off to Japan for a while and like you know as much as that seems like a good experience maybe there's un like again it's so weird that he's been here since 2020 and there is unfinished business as well like so um I wonder how long months are gonna get him back for like um. Mm-hmm. You, you know, if the business end of the season or like it's supposed to be kind of February or March, isn't it? Like with mm-hmm. his latest That's injury. That's what Graham so. Rountree was saying. They were hoping to get him back by March. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, very interesting. But yeah, it, like I, it's, I, th- I think the phrase that was going around like Twitter or social media was kind of, I hope people are keeping their receipts from what all the kind of like people sit from Leinster apparently complaining when they got Jenkins in and Klein and Snyman and now Leinster have Jenkins at the moment and it looks like they're going to get Snyman then as well. So, um. Yeah, there's a lot of people who were kind of like pontificating for a while and then mm. it's just like, ah, but that move makes sense. Like, you know, <laughs> so uh, I suppose Munster for ages seemed like they always had the South African connection. Like, I remember even talking to like Jan de Villiers in the past and like you are kind of almost like a former player, but you're almost like an agent on the ground mm. and you put the good word in. But now Leinster have that in with South Africa as well. So who might, you know, because they're a la, a la Toa's heading as well now as yeah, well. Yeah, he's so. gone to France um, at the end of the season. Claremont, is it? Uh, yeah, I think you yeah, could be right. Yeah, yeah. I'm open uh, for correction. But yeah, um, but they have, um, yeah, like, do they get any more South Africans in? It's the big one now. Mm-hmm. Like, do Leinster now have the little shortcut to South Africa now? And uh, and then are people going to change their tune about getting in these the, the specialists then when you need them? So, uh, yeah, d- uh, that's, it kind of adds, yeah, out of nowhere, as you said, like the big story of the week and then all of a sudden there was a bigger story of the week. So it's just good fun, I kind of think. And it adds a bit of spice to now. We need some EastEnders music, don't yeah. we? Really for that. Yeah, because it was like... But who, I suppose the thing about it is then does... Like Jason Jenkins, is he gone somewhere else? Is there going to be room? Like, you know, we'll go into the matches in the breakdown, but John McCarthy made some impact when he yeah. came off the bench. Um, yeah, where does he fit in this Leinster setup? Will they get try? I know he won't be coming if he is coming until next season, but is he a starter? Is he a, a, a bench player, an impact player? Like we saw what he can do coming off the bench or how would they utilise him looking at the players that Leinster have 
at their disposal. I think probably uh, definitely get a lot of game management. So he's probably going to be in for maybe some of those big games. Like I know it's very cliche and it's brandished around way too much, but horses for courses. So if you have a big physical team that, you know, Leinster are going to struggle against, but then you get in the, the big man, you know, there's no, <laughs> there's not too many bigger. And um, so that's where you'd kind of pick him in. So I suppose the European competition and against other South African teams who are really, you know, have made their mark now over the last kind of two seasons. Um, especially so I could see him come in with that I can see him a bit like now we're s- starting to see then with Kitsoff how much he's bringing to Ulster I thought he was definitely a lot more animated a lot more involved over the weekend for them so he definitely will bring that experience that I think he needs and that will only help the younger players so like Sir John McCarthy um, you probably have the option then which is great to rest James Ryan maybe play McCarthy with him It'll help to manage our Irish players a lot more so that we're not going into World Cup cycles or, you know, Grand Slams where we're carrying injuries. You can manage more because probably say, for example, Ken Doris was a little bit quiet over the last couple of weeks. Is he starting to plateau because he's fatigued? So it's I think he'll come in and just add the depth that we need. Okay, well, we'll move on now to the games of the weekend and we'll start with Munster Exeter. It's difficult to sum up what happened in this game as Graeme Rowntree said we're world leaders at making life tough for ourselves they looked in control they looked Mm. comfortable and then it all unravelled Pat where did it all go wrong? Yeah I think they they kind of fell fell. I suppose that's the the home pressure from the home fans as well but like Munster had a chance to it looked like they had put the game away but like add to that lead and had a couple of penalties went against them um, you know inside the kind of 22 as well and kind of just they had them on the ropes, but they just couldn't finish them off then. And then it was just, it was like the equivalent of scoring. I remember Mayo, did they get two own goals in an All-Ireland final once against Dublin? And you're just like, it's not going to be your day. It was it was the equivalent of two OGs in in, in, in football there. Like that, like letting the ball bounce, you know, with that kind of box kick. And then Conor Murray. Now, like, there's a lot to talk about and kind of pick, pick at that as well. Because Tyke Byrne was speaking about it at the end of the game. But like... You know, I know Exeter were kind of blocking the passing lines, but like just to, you know, throw it straight to them and kind of, um, so they basically just kind of shot themselves in the foot there as well. And they'll be kind of asking themselves how they kind of didn't even get like a, a losing bonus point out of it. Like at least they got a point out of it. Um, but they're not kind of, I think they have to go, I think they're on the road again in their next game as well. So like it's, they've, yeah, they've left it, like as Munster always seem to do as well, but maybe after what they did and won all those road games last year they're doing this on purpose maybe this is a monster tactic to to, to you've deliberately you've to the lads before you get on this show <laughs> <laughs> you're monster friends and then what they need then is yeah people on podcasts and shows to talk them down and then they have someone clipping it all up and sending it back to them like yeah they need fuel for the engine like yeah. so um, but yeah and like so many good performances that now almost kind of you gloss over because they've went and they've lost it and kind of um and that Exeter side isn't as good as it used to be because they've been shorn of a lot of kind of... They only had three players, I think, that mm. won the Champions Cup for them yeah. a few years ago. That's how much they've been ravaged and they've had to like move people on and... Uh, we're even talking about Stuart Hogg like the likes of him kind of had, had moved on like great players and like David Ewers as well who's now with, with Ulster like so they're not the same Exeter as they used to be so Munster should have like you kind of look at it now and again you could be left with egg in your face like we were as I was we were last season where you're talking about Munster where it looks like they've blown it because they're a top seed. Like so, it looks like they've blown this in Europe. But you know, Munster, as they said, they could come back and get two scrappy wins and kind of um, they'll be straight back in in the pot again. Like so, um, but yeah, they'll be kind of especially the Bayonne result to kind of go follow that up with that. It's it's a couple of bad weeks. Hadn't they've been talked up all the way into Europe and now they're kind of their wings are being clipped a little bit. So um, 
yeah, they'll be very disappointed, won't they? Like, yeah, they they, they had it in their hands. And they yeah, that's let it. it. They had away. the bonus point in the bag after 49 minutes. They were 24-13 ahead. And then they lost control and it started to slip away from them. Exeter were getting more confident. They were in control. They had the front foot. But what could Munster have done differently to calm things and to to regain control of that game? Well, to start with their game plan, I thought they were excellent up until that point. Mm. So if you look at uh, who was the first try, Nash. So the forwards are going through, they're short. Craig Casey recognised narrow defence. So that was obviously something that was recognised in the coach and scouting report. So they were very narrow. Craig Casey spots that and he does a big, long scoop pass, uh, skip pass out to Nash. Easy try. Excellent. Same thing then. I watched, I watched that game so you can watch you watch uh, Crowley so he's letting his forwards go through the phase phase and then he's kind of looking and he's looking same thing um, Munster have a man out in the wings at all times that's how they score their try and he's a little chip pass in the back to, to Tom Ahern bounce favour them mm. but by God I I am in love with that man now he's playing <laughs> I just think he's mm. exceptional to watch and he's grown in every game and he is going to be key I think to Munster and how they play really excited to hopefully see him in a Ireland jersey co- or even coming into camp um, so the same with all of their tries same with Frisch um, the, it, the the pass and setup between so extra put uh, Munster under severe pressure severe line speed um, but again they were narrow and what Munster again did well is they they didn't pass the ball so they took the contact they, they exploited the dog's legs we saw that again for Craig Craig Casey to Hearn to Shane Daly or no to Crowley back into Shane Daly and a skip pass out to Frisch so I just thought their play up until that point was excellent then the changes so it was kind of like the, the tale of two very young teams yeah. and, and Munster were far superior and then the impacts of the bench and I have to say by far Exeter's bench made a bigger impact than, than Munster Connor Murray was very poor by yeah. his standards we'll go on about the, the intercept pass but that wasn't his first his box kick straight out so there was loads of moments that really would have deflated yeah. them yeah and it's not to pin oh the, not a pin not on not him. to pin it on Connor Murray no, but it was well below his standard of playing what we saw at the weekend he and looked things, sluggish didn't he yeah things started to go badly wrong for Munster when Craig Casey went off the, be- went off the pitch yeah and we spoke about this last week in the show like it, again it's not about Conor Murray or, or, or Craig Casey or who's this who's a better player they're both exceptional players but what has been very good and really adds to Munster's attacking style is the speed of, of Rook for, and Craig Casey does that it, it much better but then you've game management from the side of Conor Murray so that's his role really now and I prefer that uh, Casey to start I thought he played really really well he was key to everything they done done so well yesterday he obviously read his brief um, but You'd expect then Connor to really add because he, he's so exceptional, so experienced to add to that and really finish the game off. And it was just mistake upon mistake. The same thing with the really unlucky bounce um, for Calvin Nash. But Jack Dunn had a bye. Mm, like yeah. his Leinster DNA, uh, you could see it like oozing off him as he was running for that ball. It's different gravy when it's Leinster playing Munster. And we saw obviously um, Rory O'Loughlin was there playing yesterday mm. in Jack Dunn. And what a try. Like what a finish, what a try. He kind of emulated the kind of Thomas O'Hearn. Um, yeah, just the the physicality, the athletic the speed, ability, yeah. the speed. How he finished, he never gave up, and he was kind of the catalyst. So there was just three tries that Munster had no answer for, and they could have really won that game. But yeah, just a young team who again just couldn't manage the game. And I know Graham Roundtree was really disappointed with that. We spoke about the injuries last week, and you mentioned them there again, and they're really having an impact on Munster. Just mm. not having that experience coming off the bench, and as Lindsay alluded to there. 
the impact that Exeter had. They had the physicality and they had those players that were going to make a difference coming off the bench, whereas Munster didn't have that. And that was the difference. Yeah, like even looking there, like Crowley played the whole 80 minutes and, you know, the it's that kind of lack of kind of the real competition at 10. Like, and, uh, and Crowley looked tired at the end. Yeah, He was yeah. playing so well. He was playing so well. Yeah, and then you have like, like even there, like 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 Ben O'Connor is like, he's young, like and like he's kind of very highly rated. You've kind of seen nice glimpses of him in, in the games he's played, but he got ran over for a disallowed try the week before, and then he kind of but he came on, he came on late in the piece as well. Like so, you're not having people that they're kind of trusting to put on with twenty minutes to go. It's just like, okay, we need to get this guy off. So like put put Ben O'Connor on or something like that. So it, I I know Zebo's kind of down again. Haley's out, kind of more long term injury. Um, He's a big loss, Haley. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like you know, that's some guy you can just slot in, and then like like Daly can kind of fit in anywhere in the back three. So, so yeah, they're being hurt by that. Like you know, and um, yeah, and like you know, even again, like Peter O'Mahony, it'd be interesting to see does he get back for this game now on the twenty sixth as well, like because he again was was missed as well, and you know, just for a couple of those kind of especially like the big ones where they kind of were bulling over and kind of you just kind of as I said like sometimes you just kind of need those kind of big ugly reliable forwards in the pack that you kind of can can kind of bear down on you and kind of make a result or, or, or make an impact when it, when it's needed like so yeah that's just kind of they're 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 paying the price for that there because you could see as you said Crowley great game and a few guys had great games but then fell off in that last 10 minutes and then it's it's like that kind of thing now god I've never played anywhere near the level that these people are playing at but it's like it's your decision making like you want to do something in that last 10 minutes but your body betrays you in a way like or your mind like you know with a box kick or something like that or somebody not making the, the chase the same they should have and all those little kind of things made a difference so they'll be hoping to kind of get a clear run of it now um, heading in because they, yeah they have two big games left in Europe mm-hmm. and you know they still could miss out on the knockout stages would be a kind of disaster for them but as I said I don't want to get I've, I've learnt my lesson from I don't want to get down on Munster too much they could they could still pull it back and uh, we'll be talking about them next year but yeah they it, like I think they'll be going into that treatment room and having a look around and who's ready who's ready to go and there'll be a phone call being made maybe this morning and who can but we get up and, up and is, running sorry Pat the flip side is though being devil's advocate here and being in and it you know a high performance setup that you mistakes are never easy no one's pinpointing anything here like Munster were far superior for, for large periods of that game yesterday as they were last week against Bayonne and that's the frustrating thing they scored 100%. some brilliant tries they're brilliant their attacking rugby mm. is, is 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 a joy to watch like and do you know other than Jack Dunn because he's I know I I'd, would have crossed paths with him he's a really good guy you know you're yeah, I'm a Lens fan you're rooting for the Irish provinces but yeah some of their attacking rugby some of the best I, I've seen over the season so far but these mistakes are good. They're never easy, but they're good. And if they can learn from them, I know the experienced lads will only bring nothing but added positivity to it. But they, these are young guys who are the future of Munster Rugby. And we said this last year, they're just going to have to learn the hard way. And mm. there is no better learning. We, you know, There's lots of brandish around about growth. If you have a growth mindset, then you take the mistakes and you learn from it. And that's how you go, go up step by step into this, you know, just the upper echelons of being that pro player easy for me to sit here and say I have experienced it and, and they're, ne- they're never easy reviews and it's frustrating because it's a game management part it's just not slowing down the game it's forcing it it's the kick throughs It's and then I thought the the replacement actually front row um, the, the big Georgian prop had a huge impact mm. as well that adds to not only that but mall defence come into question again um, so they're little 
they're little things that they're going to have to work on and they've two big games now coming up over the Christmas yeah. against Leinster at home um, and then they face Toulon away and Northampton at home in January yeah so it's two provincial and they're derbies mm. they're never easy over the Christmas and then they go back into European so there's no time to kind of lick wounds in a, in a treatment room um, they do need some players back I think Mike Haley was again a key key man to mm. how well they played last year but they need to kind of give Jack Crowley some respite now at 10 and give him a bit yeah. of a rest and it doesn't look likely now at this point when before we finish up on Munster that they'll get a home draw for the round of 16 so are they in bonus point ter- territory now Yeah, yeah. Um, for these next two games yeah or, or I suppose what they'll say and all the talk will be and actually I think that the attitude might just be go out and win the next one and it doesn't matter how you win it but just go out and get the the four points if you can and, and see uh, like see where you are after 60 minutes or something but um, yeah they kind of and then just go hell for leather in that last game as well like but yeah things might still I suppose it's a bit tougher this year than it was like last year where you're kind of maybe winning win one game and you're you're through as well it might be a bit tougher this time around like so um, yeah and in the middle of that year we're, we're saying they have to go to Galway I think don't they and play yeah, Connacht, Connacht as well yeah. like so um, yeah it's really kind of dipping into it but uh, yeah, before we kind of do leave it, I suppose just that because I I kind of alluded to it, but Tygburn talking about that that last one, he was saying that there was lazy runners and that they were offside, and you can kind of see in the replay Conor Murray's trying to pass it around someone, and then he throws it straight to Slade, like, and they were kind of I think Byrne even said himself after he asked the referee, I think it was Raynal was the ref, and he asked him like, "This is such an important game, can you please replay it?" Like, you know, like, and um, and he was just kind of saying no, like uh, he said. Slade wasn't offside according to the ref but he's like well what about the other guys that were offside and forced him to change his pass and he said Murray could have thrown it off one of them and got a penalty but they were going for the win like you know so uh, yeah it was a tough one on them like but um, yeah they, they have it all to do now like but yeah I think the attitude I can't imagine they would go away in their next game and say we're like even if they are privately saying we're going to go for a bonus point they'd never say that out loud like you know in a, in a pre-match press briefing unless I don't know, unless they have a really good Christmas or something like that. But, well, yeah. how does Graeme Rowntree manage the squad now? Because he needs to rest some of the key players. You mentioned Jack Crowley there. Byrne is another player mm. that has played a lot of minutes. Barron is another guy. So how will he look at this next block? Get Scott Buckley back in if he's... I don't know whether he's on the injury list. I know he came off early, did he, last week? Um, or the week four. But yeah, there's players there who are, are well able to play. You're just going to have to take a chance. I, the thing about it is, do you is it ego now? For both, because it'd be Leinster the same thing, you know. How do you play a, a Munster Leinster derby? Because mm. there's always skin and hair flying, do you know? So no one's gonna gonna want to take a backward step on that one. Um, but he's going to have to rest key players now. He really has mm. if he wants to have a stab at Europe. So it's either you make the decision now, is it you or C? But I think I would think both provinces will probably rest players. So that's the only consolation I would yeah. think. So tactically, I'd be ringing in some changes and resting players. Um, but I have a. Uh, do you think it was a try? Do you think Henry Slade's? Yeah, I kind of yeah, I thought it. I thought it was okay. Yeah, <laughs> like you know, I like, did too. Borderline, like yeah, but well, Conor Murray could have made the decision. Do you know? Mm. It's kind of which which would you do? Um, and we've had it where you'd kind of throw it off players, but you see, Reynald was in the way as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I was like, uh, well, the ref was kind of in his way, but um, look. Except for against Leinster, we wish uh, Munster the best of luck now over the next couple of <laughs> well, weeks. Well, we move on to Leinster now. After last weekend's heroics against La Rochelle, they needed to back it up. And I suppose, Pat, it wasn't as straightforward as mm. we would have predicted looking at how rotated the sales Sharks side was. Um, they had to work hard to get this win. Yeah, yeah. And it's, an, it's kind of, I suppose there's so many Irish players in that Leinster team that Sale were kind of 
trying to replicate those tactics that New Zealand did against Ireland as well with like the kicks in behind and because they like Leinster playing that high line that Ireland would as well like so it is interesting to see teams seeing what's happened in the World Cup and bringing that up against Ireland or against Ireland there the slip of the tongue there against Leinster like in Europe so um, so it's much tougher than a lot of people expected and um, yeah they kind of really had to kind of, they, they kind of really put it up to them and then it's just that little bit though where I'm sure Neen Aber would have seen it I think Leo Cullen spoke about it after the game it's when Leinster do click though they're so unstoppable like mm-hmm. you know and I think they got four or five tries in such a short space of time where like when they re- really get motoring it's like I'd say if you had a look back at it it seemed like a close game but like for 40 minutes Leinster were just kind of so dominant but it started hard and then they got those two kind of consolation tries at the end so um, that'll be the big thing as the season goes on it's like the, there are signs there that they're getting it together and they're getting it right but um, in the in the middle of all that they're looking like there's a lot of mistakes and mm. balls being kicked out on the full again and, and this is a big game for Frawley then as well and like yeah like he'll he'll get better but like he didn't fully convince you know that kind of thing so um, almost as you were saying about Munster like it's like these are maybe good times as long as you're getting results like these are good times to be making some of these mistakes and and to be really tested as well so um, yeah Sale came over and, and did pretty decent but um, and they'll be happy that they were able to at least rally and kind of because you could see like at the end that meant a lot to them like they were celebrating those tries at the end and um, they would have told themselves that at least they kind of bloodied Leinster's nose a little bit so uh, but yeah Leinster would be better for it and yes again some like really good performances I saw somebody no, I forget. I can't give him credit, but I saw somebody saying, "Is it possible to give Josh van der Fleer two Man of the Match awards uh, for this game?" Like he was, he was that influential. Like so, um, yeah, they needed some of their big players to step up. I thought, and 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 they did. Yeah, there were a lot of inaccuracies in that first half, and it was a very disjointed first half performance from Leinster. What would you put that down to, Lindsay? Was it a bit of a hangover from the week before? Yeah, I would think to have a six day turnaround with such a physical game, traveling away to La Rochelle, and even like people probably don't, unless you've been in the shoes of, you know, as an athlete to actually have that emotional high and that build up to a game, coming away with a win, you kind of do hit rock bottom. It's very hard to nearly pick yourself up. It's not that you're you're not ready for the next next game but such a quick turnaround and I know Sean O'Brien would have said it in an interview uh, prior to the sale game that you know he they did celebrate the win over there in France but they quickly switched back on and it's not that you're not switched on but they kind of looked a bit sluggish like the the knock on from Bard I think which was you know Van der Fleer was awarded the first try but mm. then it had taken it back from a knock on which again it didn't seem that he was under pressure it was just those little moments he himself had a great run but he didn't dip you know for his try that was held up so there was loads of um, openings made by mm. them but just these like kind of nearly tarred mistakes that you know they wouldn't be used to but the endeavour was there I tell you who really impressed for me was Charlie Natoy mm. my god the boy was I thought he was dan- on dancing on dancing on the stars before this his footwork his goose step his change of pace now obviously it wasn't a great sign that he went off injured but he was also a man who came on and said don't don't forget about me yeah. like I thought he was absolutely brilliant Joe McCarthy the same thing obviously um, with Snyman coming along he was like listen you're coming here to fight for a jersey you know so I thought they stepped up well made great impacts Halatoa in the scrum Tom Clarkson with his first European start thought he was exceptional in the scrum mm. so there was really good signs especially in the set piece which we would have struggled against bigger teams um, I think Sale made 12 changes did they? Wow yeah the pre- like that. yeah, it was much change a lot of injuries um, obviously they have a big game this weekend I think in the Premiership um, so they wanted to really rest players but I was very impressed they had their homework done 
they certainly didn't return kicks from Leinster they wanted to run it from deep their two wingers were absolutely exceptional and they weren't afraid to grub or kick which led to their first try that little chip in behind mm. um, they were probably unlucky and when um, uh, what's his name got yellow carded uh, Robbie Henshaw like I, I thought mm, you know he did go for the arm and if he got that ball it was a try so yeah, yeah they lived yeah. on their on, on their nerves I suppose in the first half but when they got it was a 30 unanswered point really for a period so yeah they scored four unanswered tries in yeah. the second half so what changed for them I think they got an absolute rollick in the <laughs> half time I think that's the only thing that changed they got an absolute rocket so whatever happened and we knew that and I think the impact sent off the bench um, really added to it so Keen Healy was great to see him mm. back got a great try you know he was so humble in his injury really supportive and then to I don't know he's like Lazarus that, that lad he just comes back <laughs> you know you think he's gone he's back so congratulations to him it's great to see him back but yeah I think they just got a rollicking and we're told because other than Sheehan and Van Fleer no one stood out in the first half They're a bit off their usual standard Leinster are at mm. this point but they're still winning games and they're still in a good position in Europe and the URC is there anything worrying you in their performances Pat? Uh, um, no, not so much. Like the like, I, 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 it was interesting to kind of see there. Like again, with like you know, uh, Furlong kind of you know being out because of the personal reasons. Like you know, with his father kind of passing away as well. But like yeah, with, with Clarkson kind of coming in, and it was just interesting to kind of see. Yeah, because like that that's a big thing where you think oh we can get after them now as well. Like but it's interesting. Like I'd love to see when Leinster won an early penalty. They're all on his back then, mm. and it's like bigging him up. Like this is your big one. Like so, um, yeah, I think it's kind of. I suppose slow starts I suppose in a way is kind of getting them in trouble and they're kind of they're, they're almost like allowing teams into contests and giving teams like a, like and teams kind of would grow in belief as games go on like we've seen that a couple of times and um, maybe yeah that Leinster of old would just be like you would do it done in the past there's they'd put a team away and they just wouldn't be coming back from it and you would always kind of know at the RDS it seems to be a little bit different they they seem to just really they don't ever get worried too much when it gets to the second half they know that the scores are going to come and that they're going to outlast these sides as well Like, but there's just a kind of few injuries and people missing because like scrum halves now like Cormac Foley's out uh, Luke McGrath's like getting back to training again they probably need him back Like Ben so. Murphy was excellent though yeah, when he was, and Prendergast, they were both very impressive when they came Oh, on. Prendergast, that fella <laughs> just uses confidence doesn't he like I'd mm. say nothing to shake that fella yeah he's just yeah He's good. Yeah, but Ben Murphy I was impressed in because uh, impressed with because he again made a huge impact because he started to really speed up those rooks. Even Gibson Park was a little bit out of sorts. Kind of mistakes, knock ons. And I don't know whether he was so influential last week against La Rochelle. Hugely. He was uh, he was a huge factor. But I don't know whether I was trying to see it um during the game, I was like, is our sale players holding on to the ball? Like, they were really slowing it down anyway. I was like, I don't know if someone has a hand or a foot, but he was really struggling to get the ball mm-hmm. out. And that was a huge impact in the first half, the, the slow rook ball. Um, but to build on Pat's point, I wouldn't be worried right now. Mm. I think we were so confident last year with how well Leinster were, were winning. They were just untouchable. And I think right now it just keeps them on an even keel. It, it'll give players time to not be under pressure that they have to be at their peak performance right now because like, they're not going to get complacent I don't think so I think you it's nice to always stay grounded and have something to work towards This it's not the business end of the season yeah. you want to keep everyone fit healthy and that, that bite is there you know and I think there'll be hopefully lots of rotations now over the next two weeks mm-hmm. um, players to get their shot I'd love to see Prendergast maybe get yeah. two stars but the the counter argument to that is Frawley hasn't had enough time. Yeah, we're moaning about yeah giving Frawley games and then yeah. yeah but yeah. then what do you do with Prendergast? So they need to kind of make a decision on that. When Frawley his pass out to Jimmy O'Brien for that line break, um, some of his passes when he skipped, 
you know, probably what we call the 34. Like, it was a really wide pass and put Sale under pressure. I thought he was excellent. He, he made a line break, I think, from, I uh, can't remember, did that lead to Henshaw's tr- try. Mm. Um, so he, he again showed glimpses of what he can do. But he looked a bit start, nervy, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, a that nervy high enough ball. start. But I think all the players looked a bit nervy from Leinster at the start. But maybe he just needs that run a game, Pat. Yeah, yeah. Like, so... It'd be so, yeah, wouldn't that? I suppose those guys are probably all lining up against each other. Who like they'll be all eager to know, and they might have even found out now already who's going to start. Uh, like internally, they'll might know, but like there'll be a few of them would love to start. You know, against Munster on the twenty sixth, then and give themselves another really big test as well. So yeah, you could maybe see. Uh, yeah, Prendergast, you could get a start against Ulster maybe when they come down to Dublin. Um, but yeah, a lot of kind of yeah, a lot of people kind of really kind of need that kind of challenge as well. But they're. Um, yeah, but yeah, it'd be fascinating. I'd say, yeah, definitely, if you could give Frawley another game in a row, like just at least two games in a row, play, put him at 10 against Munster, and that'd be a real test, and mm-hmm. then see how he gets on as well. Because, yeah, there's enough there to kind of tell you, like, let's let's look at this a little bit longer. Like, But like, at the same time, that's just that, yeah, someone like Prendergast, him and Crowley just seem to be cut from the same cloth, don't they? Go around, like, like uber confident as well. Like, so he is not far away from really pushing for starts all the time as well. So, uh, and then, but that's great, isn't it? That you have a guy coming off the bench, just well, like he only has 10 minutes, but he's going to show you what he can do as well. So, um, yeah, it's funny. I was actually saying I was lucky to be asked back onto the show, having given Leinster no hope against La Rochelle a couple of weeks ago. And <laughs> well, we actually, we, we just, you have were no both one else patch, actually. <laughs> yeah, no, nobody else could make it. Like, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I've gone, like, I suppose maybe the, the impact of that win, I've gone from, you know, being kind of like, yeah, that I still don't see anything that's going to change my mind. Like, you know, when it, to now all of a sudden being a lot more confident in them. And maybe you mean maybe because Baird and McCarthy are two players who are having a bit of an impact this season as well. And um, someone like Sheehan and stuff like that. Yeah, there's, there's enough there to kind of start kind of really kind of feeling confident for, for what's to come in the next kind of like the, the end run of the season. Before we move on from Leinster, I just want to get your thoughts on the co-captain situation because oh, last week, Matthew Carley <laughs> refused to speak to James Ryan. It was the same situation this weekend. Leo Cullen came out and said that the co-captaining is working great for them. They have two leaders that are leading the group during the week. But is it playing against them at game time now? Well, I don't know what uh, James Ryan has done. He obviously <laughs> didn't send a bottle of wine to the referees because they will It seemed not- a bit ridiculous this weekend because he hadn't done anything. Hadn't done anything. Even Porter was having a like little chin wag with the ref, you know, about, you know, scrum time. And, and that's some some referees will just tell you, do not even look sideways at me, you know. So you kind of have to say, may I talk with you, sir, or, or ma'am, you know, and, and they'll give you permission then. Normally they'll go through the captain. So I think what Leinster need to do now is identify who the actual, the, the, the conduit is. Mm. Um, just one captain as regards that. So all messages go through that one because it, it's kind of a bit farcical now at this stage. I think the co-captaincy, and I know that it's come under a lot of scrutiny, I think for players in such a high performance with so many talented players, it just takes the pressure off because sometimes when you're made captain, you think you have to have these magical words and it it kind of Mm. can take away from your playing. But I don't think it's affected either of those players. And that's key for me is that when you're made captain, that it doesn't, it's your playing. You're there for your ability and obviously what you do in the dressing room. So I think it probably is working on a performance level. But as regards just that communication and, and feedback from the referee, I think they probably go into a game and just nominate one of the lads to mm-hmm. speak with the referee and to speak back to players because um, because they can still chat among themselves. It's a decision whether they're going to the corner and that's probably preempted with a, a pitch map before that, depending on, on the opposition. So, yeah, I think... 
you don't want the drama being about that they won't talk to James Ryan. You know, it's a, it's a bit like schoolyard yeah. stuff. You're like, ah, here. But yeah, I like the concept of it. It doesn't work for every team. Um, and I can see the point of it. But for young players, especially in young teams, I think sometimes it just kind of spreads the, the pressure out and doesn't undermine the performance. I kind of wonder, yeah, is this now going to affect James Ryan's Ireland captaincy chances? Because like, that's up in the air. Mm. And it probably would have been between him and Peter O'Mahony like, for, to get the Ireland captaincy. Like, so, um, and there's been negativity in the last two weeks and people kind of saying, oh, Ryan still needs to learn that. So then on a national scale like you know like and we've seen it in the past even with Ireland that he, he you know he he's probably just a lot of people are thinking is he better just kind of doing his job and going about his own work and other people might say he has the potential to be a captain but um, yeah it, it can't be good for him like maybe Farrell's made his mind up already like but um, yeah it's, it's, that's not going in his favour like so you know I'd be very interested to say I, for me it feels like Peter Manny is the favourite to kind of lead Ireland in the Six Nations but yeah, it's not a good look at the moment that refs won't talk to the poor bloke. Like, yeah. He's a well, good guy, lads. Give him a break. <laughs> Give him a break. <laughs> we'll move on to Connacht next. It was a much improved performance from Pete Wilkins' side, but Saracen's big men managed to get the job done. It finished 55-36. Uh, what did you make of the game, Pat? Yeah, Connacht almost got them angry, didn't they? Like, Because they started well and... Um, yeah, just two sides kind of going at each other and... Um, yeah, and, and just very looked very positive at the start from Connacht, like, and... Uh, but they just couldn't handle the the big pack then when they got it going. And it's like once they, they bowled their way over and kind of showed that there was, you know, there was a hole there, like in, in their game, they just kept picking at it and picking at it. And it was like a gaping wound by the end of the end of the match. But like, fair, like they got something out of it. Like, you know, they, they still went and they kind of kept at them and they scored some nice tries. Like, but um, yeah, it's like two big defeats. Like, I suppose the thing that did all the damage was last week, you know, at the, losing the home game so badly as well. Like, but... Like they restored a bit of pride, like but um like it looks like that's I'd be probably more confident saying that their European adventure is over. You know, yeah. like can maybe get the most out of the can from the next couple of games and even just even if you can deliver one big night for the fans at the sports ground in, in January, that'd be a kind of positive at this stage. But um yeah, like it's just interesting to kind of see like of all the players and the power we're talking about, just Owen Farrell. I know he's take a step back from England, like but just when he's on it, he's just so good as well. Like and mm. a couple of great passes in there. And, and Jamie runs. George as well was mm, really yeah. clinical. The talk yeah. of even yeah talk over in England of like now remember they got in trouble with the salary stuff before, but now they're coming to some arrangement with the RFU where they can keep Jamie George and Atoje at Saracens then as well. Like and and this is by maybe in a kind of above board kind of manner now as well. Like so so that's good to kind of see, but um. Yeah, just far too much kind of power for them. And uh, and then a couple of tries that Connacht will just be cursing over. Like, there's one where a guy was, like, skating down the kind of wing and they didn't put him out of play. And, and Prendergast will be... You know, he had... It was a kind of up-and-down performance. He, he kept going, scored a nice try at the end. But, yeah, he'll be kicking himself over that kind of try that I think it was their Argentinian lads. Um, was it Gonzalez? He got player the match. Yeah, uh, the, the like he just row. couldn't get him down. Like, you know, so... Um, yeah, the... the but at least they kept going and they started well. Like, but at the same time, I think it was eight tries. I think they conceded, so we yeah. can't be can't be too positive about them when something like that happens. So yeah, the like Grinch m- might have a few words to say about them. <laughs> like like Munster, <laughs> Connacht started the game well, and they were seventeen eight points ahead, seventeen to eight points ahead halfway through the first half. Mm. And on the attack, they looked organised. They looked when they're on song like Munster. They looked so good when they're scoring tries but defensively they're leaking far too many tries like they leaked 40 points to Bordeaux last weekend 55 points Mm. this weekend what is their biggest issue Lindsay defensively? 
Well, it's it's letting team. Well, it's first team mistakes. So there was the the, the naivety, um, and you have to be nearly cynical or use think like you have to use the sideline. You have to mm. slow down the breakdown. You have to uh, man and ball. Like last week, they you know in broken play. Bordeaux were so easily able to get gain line and forward momentum. Then they they were just running support lines like they're like they had another big win this week. So they're definitely a team who are kind of saying, "Pick me, we are going to be a team to watch." So, um, if you do not put teams or stop them or stop them on the gain line, if they're going to get momentum, they're going to break you open. And for some reason, Connacht cannot. Uh, even when teams make line breaks you actually have to be smart in where the play is going to go and that comes with experience as well we saw that with Courtney Laws actually who had a try save and tackle in his game against for Northampton so and he's not even in the picture when you see this so it's kind of moments like that with, with Connick when you're like oh god the, the endeavour is there and you want we want we wanted the bounce back from them we wanted kind of this like yeah you know reaction and we did for the mm. first half but then the same issues come come along and, it, and it's defensively. And I think they really need to start looking at maybe their line speed, their tackle completion. Um, and they really kind of need to up their physicality. Um, I feel for Prendergast, he was stand out last week to again come and be that sole leader again is, is hard to do to two weeks on the bounce. So again, we, we can see glimpses of where this man is going, but um, he can't do it by himself, yeah. you know. And it's really frustrating because that was their biggest scoring tally on English soil. So they're doing yeah. a lot right. But like Lindsay said, a lot of their own errors are mm. letting teams back into the game. Yeah. And then just kind of give an easy field position and, and kind of and then, yeah, just kind of. Uh, yeah, the big thing then is like the once the forwards kind of know you've got an edge, it's like sometimes going away to play in France as well. Like and then the forwards are just like, yeah, we know what we're going to do here. Like, you know, almost like dropping the ball on purpose. You can have a scrum and you can have a crack against them. And um, so, yeah, they were just going for the line and Connacht had no answer to it almost like so. Um, yeah, there's not much you can kind of do there. And then once you do that and if you try and get cynical and near your own try line, then then the refs going against you as well. Like so a lot kind of it kind of fell apart. And yeah, they'll have to kind of look at how do we slow things down for a while and you know how do we take the sting out of a game for a while and like stop a team from getting two or three tries on us so um lots to kind of fix there because like yeah they're it's it's funny like we've spoken about them there's so much going right for them as well it seemed but now it's like um yeah it's like they unlucky in the urc with a couple of results and now they've kind of lost heavily enough in, in two kind of big european games so like it's just in danger you don't want the season to get away from you so um yeah, they have a big game coming up this Friday now. Like, and see if they can kind of get back mm-hmm. on, on the kind of winning path then as well. Yeah, Pete Wilkins said after the game, we can use it as a learning, as motivation, the chance to get better. But it must be difficult, Lindsay, to have these two huge beatings back to back. It is, and I I can see his point. So a bit like what Pat said, do they just now render themselves that the European competition is to now rotate players, get a lot of experience against really good teams, and use that as a review to build for a really big push um, in the URC because really that's the way it seems like to me really I can see he he rotates every week you know whether it's Hanrahan mm. McCarthy um, or their front, was starting as well yeah, yeah Porch yeah. was starting so their front row which their areas now I, I, I don't I don't believe in inconsistency they are units that you need especially for scrum and set piece especially for your the link between your backs and forwards and your, your field play and your field position and tactically what you want to implement so that's the only thing I'd question now about that. But at the same time, I if it, there's a reason behind it and you want to get players' experience, brilliant. But I think now at this stage, look for improvements in your performances, 
especially in Europe, and then have get get back to win aways in the URC. And finally, on to Ulster, they ended their three-game losing streak with an impressive mm. performance against Racing on Saturday night. We were hoping for a response from Ulster, Pat, and we got that. Yeah, and and, and that was it, and that was almost like a season. Uh, defining or like the, the season was hinging on getting a win there and they did it so well and um, yeah I, I loved actually the thing that stood out for me most is like remember we sometimes talk about the Ulster backline it's like if they spent as much time thinking about how to back, get the backline moving like they do about these quick taps and, and rolling malls like because there are things of beauty to watch like you know if, you, if you're massive into the forwards and kind of a big fan of that side of the game there's, there's so much great stuff to watch you see the one where like Cooney took the quick tap penalty but, but he passed it on yeah, he yeah. wasn't going into contact with yeah. the big men <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, but yeah, great to kind of see that. And then McCloskey, great, good to see him kind of now back and having a real impact as well. And, and Chimney kind of, played well. Yeah, he was A good. lot of their big name players stood up, like McCloskey, Ian Henderson, Stockdale. Lowry. When, mm. I, when I saw, to be honest, when I saw the team sheet, actually I had a, a huge kind of feeling of hope and, and kind of excitement for them. Um, it was definitely some big experience. Rob Herring back in, which is it's hard because Tom Stewart is so good. But yeah, Herring is back in there. Um, Kitsoff, Henderson, Stockdale, Balakoon, they all played. They all played really well. Um, and they they stuck to actually what Ulster do well. So they the mall tried the start. They uh, from that quick tap, mm. again the quick tap. Um, mauled over for Timney's second try I think um, so yeah, three I, of their four tries came from the tap penalties and yeah. it's something we're seeing a lot of from Leinster as yeah. well and uh, Dan McFarland said that this is something they focused on during the weekend that Ian Henderson was leading the way in their labs as they called them <laughs> and that they Good. practiced these during the week and they decided to go for all of them because they found out that they were moves that could work and they did they yeah. paid off they were and you could see in the first one actually Ian Henderson is the one who's he's kind of like nearly from a line out you'd see him with his back and you could see that from the quick tap so he's absolutely roaring them on he's he's kind of that arrowhead at the, mm. at the top of that and he's just willing them on and he really stood up in those in those circumstances and look what they obviously did was identify the fact that they could use their physicality contrary to the fact that Racing scored two late mall tries themselves um, they could use their physicality to really just kind of pound them mm. you know pound Racing towards their, their line and they got it over and they oozed confidence and one thing that really stood out for me is like Stuart McCluskey comes up and he's given this you know fist and um, they kind of just really built on every time they scored and they were kind of like yeah yeah we can play so watch us and they were delighted and I, and I liked that enthusiasm and that energy from them and you're kind of like good that petulance was left at the door from the last couple of weeks that we've kind of seen creep through yeah. um, John Cooney was exceptional in how he moved that, that the ball from the rook really I think added to them um, and I was very impressed a little bit of probably Positionally for Balakoon anyway for one of the racing tries was questionable but all in all uh, very very happy with them. This will fill them with confidence now as they welcome Connacht on Friday night but we knew Ulster had this potential in them but they weren't able to show it um, mm. when it came to the big games and now it's important that they back it up. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're a team where it seems like they need to have all their like when everybody's fit they're like a, a trouble again. It's just they, they maybe they get stretched too thin and there's not as many kind of those homegrown players in the pack that they kind of can rely on as well. So, um, yeah, they really get stretched. But now, like, even, like, let's say Kitsoff when he first arrived, you know, you're expecting this guy to be amazing the minute he arrives. And he, he, I think even he gave an interview and said, like, I, f I feel like I'm getting up to speed now. And he had a bit more of an impact then as well. And and it's probably settling in and getting to know people and having a bit of, uh, you know, camaraderie with them as well. So 
yeah, they'll be very keen to kind of now go and kind of build on that now. And yeah, you can kind of see quickly, like it's it's a season where like, you know, you're not like apart from, I was going to say, you're not going to go through a season undefeated. Like, but if you can get two or three wins together, like, you know, it, all of a sudden things don't look as bad as they were as well. So uh, they'll be very keen. It'd be interesting to kind of see um, like everybody just targets like let's go heavy and let's go hard with like for the home games and you'll see close to full strength squads and then they mix it up a little bit for the away games but like would they fancy their chances because Leinster are going to mix it up a little bit um, yeah it, it's almost like trying to like they, they have to sh- share their resources a little bit so but yeah they'll definitely kind of go they'll go for it at home and kind of mm-hmm. see it like they'll, they'll be kind of looking at this Connacht game and then you can see Connacht conceding the points and having these runs where they can't stop teams score and like sort of and then they are, their tails are up now so they'll be practiced the, the lab is going to be cooking all week I'd say with, with all <laughs> well, different it'll be very moves. difficult for Connacht to come to Belfast and to beat Ulster if they play like they did at the weekend what do you expect from this game? Am I right that Connacht got their first win last year wait in Kingspan last year? That was a real. That was their second one away, I think. Yeah, yeah. like they really they, caused yeah, that, an upset with they that beat last them year. In the quarterfinal last year, but a few years ago they had beaten them in during Andy Friend's time. Yeah, they beat them in in Belfast for the first time in sixty years. It'll be an interesting match because obviously now you know Connacht really we, we want to see another build on 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 the response you know from from this week's performance. Ulster, what I'd actually like to see is keep your team. Keep your mm. team, Dan McFarlane, if you're yes, listening. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's have a bit of consistency because it was lovely to see Mike Larry back because we're used to those, you know, him receiving that, you know, kick receipt, um, whether it's for territory or whatever, and he just really starts the attack from from that and he was key to that uh, line break for uh, one of the tries, you know. So again, those they're well able to play in broken play as well and I think he's going to be key to that. Um, we've seen the consistency of Balakoon and Stockdale and then that partnership is really reignited between Hume and McCluskey. So I'd really like to see that consistency Go with your halfback pairing you started with and your pack. I would change nothing unless you have injury or someone has a really different mm-hmm. form. But I'd like to see them now kind of build that consistency over the next two matches because I think that will bring the confidence back. Hopefully kind of bring a bit bit of bite maybe to train and tell, tell the lads, yeah, come and get this jersey if you want it. Mm. But I think they kind of need just that little bit of TLC and love and a bit of confidence back to say, yeah, no, no, we are a good team and we need to kind of prove that now over the next couple of weeks. But... I would hope we see more of the same from Ulster. Mm-hmm. Sorry. I don't want another <laughs> loss for Connacht. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, 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 we were going to finish on Ulster, but producer Enda has put some news mm. on the screen here Good for news. us. Quaylen Doris is after signing a new IRFU contract, which will leave him with Ireland until 2027. A brilliant bit of business, Pat. Yes, and you said Quaylen, which is probably is how you pronounce it, is it? I've Quaylen is say- what I'd say, yeah. Because he's from Mayo, I was thinking maybe I've been I've got it wrong the whole time. That's there. the Gregor in me, obviously. Yeah, and he's up. I think he's doing some. Uh, he's up doing some interviews for some um, uh, a PR event. I think during the week, so you'll probably hear a little bit more from him as well. And he's always such a good speaker as well. Um, yeah, he's he's had a great. Like he's just a brilliant player, isn't he? Like and even like that La Rochelle game. Um, I thought him and James Ryan were so good in that game as well. And um, yeah, like so it's great to kind of just know that. And again, we were talking. It was just actually almost kind of bookends we were talking about at the start with Andy Farrell and it's like this is going to be one of the main guys that they're going to I think him and Hugo Keenan already are in that leadership group in the Ireland kind of set up as well like so um, they've recognised in them that these are the guys that are going to be the leaders for the next the 2027 World Cup I saw James Lowe was committing himself for, for that as well he's got a contract coming up and, and he said he wants to stay on until 2027 so it's almost like the next generation are mm-hmm 
it's so weird, isn't it? Yeah, we're looking at 2027. 20, like, yeah. I know, and then I was like, James Lowe, jeez, yeah, I forgot about him. You're <laughs> kind of like, between coaches we were talking about, but then yeah. you're like, players, like, wow, we still so many world-class players. Yeah. Is yeah. this David Nusifora cementing his legacy now before he leaves? Getting all these players locked in? Well, I think just like Andy Farrell, why change something that's that's working? And Caelan Doris is, or Caelan, um, <laughs> for the Gwail Goris out there. Um <laughs> I think he's a man who's really cemented that number eight jersey and he's been world class like mm. you would include him in any world 15 um, or world 23 if you want but he'd be starting eight I'd say on, on any one selection so um, he's had a bit of a quiet couple of weeks but I would think I'd say maybe just load and, and coming off a really tough probably last two years between Leinster and Ireland um, but there's definitely more more amazing days to come from that man so congratulations. Well, we'll leave it there on that positive note. My thanks to Lindsay and to Pat. That's it for House of Rugby today and for 2023. That's our final show of the year. We're going to take a break for Christmas and the New Year. And we hope you all enjoy the Christmas, enjoy the celebrations and the festive derbies, of course. And we'll be back with you very, very soon. Until then, for myself, Lindsay and Pat, Slán, agus Sports Show presents House of Rugby.